Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. We just form a fucking wall. O'Neal deep on the post, lots of contact there. Oh, what a block by Wallace! What wow. a jump ball! He's down four, 12 8, 7 38 to play the first one. First from Rodney, stuck into the rim! Reggie inside for Andre, and a dynamite dunk! The East is going to be amazing. I'm so excited for Milwaukee-Boston. A lot of people picking Milwaukee in four, five, or six, whatever. But I have not seen anyone, or very few, pick Boston to win. I think Boston's going to win that series. I think that Kyrie Irving, is it, he elevates himself in the playoffs. Uh, I think... You have Boston playing the best basketball that they have all season. They swept the Pacers convincingly. Oh, my God. They swept the depleted Pacers. I know. You trust this guy, people? You listen to his takes? Oh, my goodness. Welcome to episode number 64 of the Palace of Pistons podcast. Brendan Johnson, Aaron Johnson, Ryan Pay, we're all here with you this week. And, geez, Ryan, I just have to hope that Aaron's Pistons takes don't start taking a dip like his general NBA takes. That was a tough listen back, wasn't it? Aaron, I, you, we were all kind of cringing here at the table. You were so confident in that call. You know, I picked Boston to come out of the East at the beginning of the year. Sometimes you're going to be wrong. I'm fine with that. Brendan is wrong like 85% of the that time. That is not true. You can say I make mistakes. 85% now you're Brennan, just being an ass. Brendan's a walking mistake. Okay. That's so, wow. So I can Yikes. make a mistake. I can live with that. I can be fine with that. Kyrie Irving did, every, like, did the exact opposite of what I said he was going to do. He didn't elevate his play in the playoffs. He played embarrassingly bad for a guy that wants to be the number one superstar on a championship level team. An absolutely awful series from him. Uh, no doubt about it. Really, there's just not that many players on that team that came out and, and, and inspired uh, any sort of confidence in that team in the playoffs. I mean, you look at maybe Al Horford, Marcus Morris, Marcus Smart when he came back. That was a pathetic round against the Bucks. So, and you know what? I'm fine with being wrong because Boston played awful. They played absolutely awful. And that team, their future right now, it should be in question. Should they even try to re-sign Kyrie after that postseason he had? Should they even try to re-sign him after all the, the drama that he's created around that team? Is he even worth it after the series he just had? I don't know. I was pretty confident that Kyrie was a superstar. But that performance against the Milwaukee Bucks, when he wants to be one of the best players in the league, be one of the best players in his conference, and he gets outplayed by the Bucks, by Giannis, by Eric Bledsoe, by everyone on that team. He deserves all the criticism he gets, and Boston doesn't deserve to continue to play postseason ball. Fair enough. Yeah, uh, I like the heat that Aaron brought there, but mm-hmm. no, you're right. I think Kyrie proved that he doesn't really care about being the leader on the team. He wants to just play. So he's going to go team up this summer with like go back to being with LeBron or go be with KD in Brooklyn or New York or something like that. He doesn't want to be the leader. He just wants to go play ball. And I think that's what you saw Excuse me, from uh, Kyrie Irving in this series. He does not want to be any sort of leader. You know, these NBA playoffs have been interesting. And we'll, we'll transition back into them because there's some stuff we can certainly talk about. You know, but this is a Pistons pod. We but want to be make better, sure. Aaron. Be yeah, better. I be guess better. that's the gist of the story. Uh, you know what? I'm going to relay that message to Kyrie Irving as well. Be better. So, be better. It's just a little slap on the wrist. That's all that was. 
We just had to... I'm forwarding yeah. that to Kyrie.Irving at gmail.com. Be better. <laughs> <laughs> well, the Pistons are trying to be better as well. And, um, you know, they have several guys that they've, you know, been floating around and, and interested in going into free agency. You know, we talked a little bit last week about the D. Rose bit, Patrick Beverly, some names that have popped up this week, Seth Curry, Jeff Green, um... You know, the Pistons officially, you know, they have the 15th pick as well. Something to keep an eye on, whether, you know, we want to start talking about who they draft in that spot or, um, you know, maybe the value if you decided to trade that pick. But first, just sticking with the the names that have been associated with the Pistons. James Edwards of The Athletic reporting that Seth Curry and Jeff Green are guys that Detroit will be interested in and possibly target this summer. Um Seth Curry's an interesting one to me because he's not really a point guard. I mean, he can he can play the point a little bit, but he's primarily a two guard. And I don't know if Luke is our future shooting guard. Do I want a guy like Seth Curry who could arguably fight for that starting spot? I think Curry. <clears throat> I think Curry would come in in a role that would be primarily off the bench. Maybe a guy that starts as an injury replacement. Um, I'm not as I'm not as welcome to the idea of Curry just because of what the Pistons have at the shooting guard spot. With Kennard, Bruce Brown, and Kyrie Thomas, they still have Langston Galloway on the books. So they have four shooting guards right there that are going to take up the bulk of the minutes. And obviously Seth Curry is better than Thomas and Galloway. But Kennard needs to get his minutes. And you want to continue to develop Bruce Brown. And Kyrie Thomas should get some minutes next year, hopefully. So there's just not going to be all that many minutes at the two. Curry does play in some three-guard lineups. He did it in Dallas. He's done it in Portland with uh, Damian Lillard and C.J. McCollum. So he's attuned to being in, uh, used in a three-guard lineup, and that's something Dwayne Casey has been open to using, just necessarily doesn't have the greatest um, complements and components to make a three-guard lineup work. But ide- in a, an ideal sense, that would work with Curry. But... With the cap situation that Detroit's in, I'm just not all that high on signing Seth Curry, even though I think he's an awesome player. I think the Pistons just have other significant needs at the point guard spot, at the starting small forward spot, and then they still need another backup big or two. So there's just not really any money to give Seth Curry. He's also going to command, you know, probably around six, seven million, I would assume at least. And that's, you know, the Pistons just don't have that to give right now. So I'm not all that too high on Curry. I don't want to take any way, anything away from Seth Curry. I mean, phenomenal shooter, phenomenal shooter. I think he's a very good player, and I think he can play the point guard position uh, better than what we seem to be giving him credit for. Even though I get that he is a small four, or a, a shooting guard, off ball guard primarily, um, but there's just more pressing needs in getting a true backup point guard, and getting a true backup center, and getting a true wing with length that. I don't know if I would make Seth Curry my top priority going into the offseason. Mm-hmm. I love Seth Curry, and if he was not, if the Pistons ended up signing Seth Curry, it wouldn't make me mad. I would like it, but I don't think that's necessarily priority one mm-hmm. when you have <laughs> such a need on the wing and Seth really necessarily isn't a point guard. How, per se. how Seth can fit into the equation, though, is if Kyrie Thomas this summer can develop being maybe the backup point guard. And he can at least can fine tune his role to where you know him and Seth could both play backup 
point guard, you know, two backup combo guards, you know, and they didn't, neither of them had to take the full bulk of backup point guard minutes. Maybe they could split those duties. I think that's the way you find it to work, and then it makes some sense to sign them, right? Um, You're not going to, I'm not going to disagree with you there. I like that a lot, actually. Yeah. It's something I've thought about, too, but I feel like at the same time, are they really working to make Kyrie Thomas? And that's a, a good question. Guard? You yeah, don't know. We haven't. We haven't nothing really seen has, that. Nothing has shown us that. There's been some talk, but there hasn't been any action on it. At least not in the general public's now. Well, I guess we'll see in the summer league, right? Right. If, if if Kyrie comes out and starts at point guard in summer league, and, and he does pretty well, you know, then maybe it works out. That'll be summer league. Usually is right when free agency begins, a few days after, right around the beginning of July. Mm-hmm. So. You know, I don't know if the Pistons can really wait that long to see if Kyrie can maybe handle point guard minutes because once free agency starts, like guys are you got to know who you're. Yeah, you know, once once it hits, you know, it, it, it's become before twelve o'clock mm-hmm. on July first. Teams are talking. Yeah, you know, you you have that twelve o'clock special on ESPN now, and right at twelve, you have four or five signings coming in. You're getting all the names of teams talking, the contracts and all that. So you can't really wait until you know July tenth, July fifteenth to see if Kyrie can can handle the point guard spot. Uh, because if you can't, then you're kind of, a, a, you know, a dead fish. You well, I guess where to go. if if that twelve o'clock hour rolled around and Seth Curry's name comes up as a piston, we'll kind of know what their thoughts are then, right? Won't, won't we? Right. That, I mean, hey, and, they are going to try this problem. And Curry has played point guard before. Mm-hmm. It's just he's deteriorated in that role as time's gone on. Just fourteen percent percent. 14% of his minutes at point guard this year, 35% last year, 58 the year before. Um, so he, he's going downwards in that. He's spending more minutes in that two guard or that three guard, uh, you know, in some lineups in today's NBA. So he just doesn't handle the ball as much. But I did like your idea, Brendan, which is surprising. I don't really like a lot of your ideas. But I did like the idea of if the Pistons can get Thomas to handle the ball and Curry can handle the ball as well. Maybe you get another, you know, forward that handles the ball a little bit off the bench and you can just kind of make it a community kind of deal. Yeah, well, it's something to where you'd have to think eventually one would establish themselves in the backup point guard role, the other would establish themselves as the backup two guard. But you can give it the first half of the season of kind of a split role both ways. And if you run them on the floor at the same time, now it's an opportunity where both can bring the ball up the floor. You know, depending the kind of signing they make at the small forward position, you might even be able to get an attacking forward that can handle the ball. Blake can bring the ball up the floor if he's in with the backups at any point. Like, you've got some options. And, um, you know, to me, especially in this in this NBA, both Kyrie and Seth Curry give you scoring. They give you shooting. That is the most important thing. They have guys that can stretch the floor. They can open up driving lanes. Um, and they can make, you know, a, a lot of – they can open up a lot of shots, create a lot of opportunities for themselves and others. So that's what's exciting about that approach. The interesting one that's come up this week is Jeff Green. And um, you'd have to think Jeff Green would come in and and fill that starting three spot in the Pistons lineup. And, and Aaron, I'm interested to, you know, get your thoughts on what that kind of move would entail for the Pistons. Jeff Green just really isn't a small forward anymore. Played. Just one percent of his minutes last year at the small forward spot, seventy-nine percent as a power forward, and then twenty-five, twenty-one percent as a small ball five. So he's just not a, a three in today's NBA anymore. He's also getting up there in age, so his defensive abilities are going to be lacking. Uh, not a great three-point shooter, just thirty-five percent last season. Not all that consistent. Just not a guy that really excites me either. 
Uh, I think if you if you had to decide between one of Curry or Green, you pick Curry, no doubt about it. Uh, you know, Green's a four, and the Pistons have their starting four, and the Pistons kind of already have their backup four. So they don't really need to spend big on a guy like Jeff Green, who's probably going to command four or five million uh, for a, you know a guy that can maybe play some three, maybe play some four, and then maybe play some five. Yeah, he's versatile in that sense, but he just isn't going to play the three all that much. And he's a small ball five. The Pistons don't really use a small ball five. And at the four, you already have a guy playing 30-plus 30, 30 minutes a night. And then you have Thon Maker, who they want to continue to develop. It just doesn't make all that sense. My only thought is, if you sign Jeff Green and you could use him in that versatile role, you know, he gives you an option to run Blake and Green at the same time at the four-five. If Andre, let's say, is in foul trouble, having an off night, you know, not hitting at the free throw line, and they start following him a little bit. Um, really, the the only the only I guess appealing thing to signing Jeff Green for me would include the versatility you could have with the lineups. I don't think he comes in as your starting three. I don't think you can make him your starting three, but I think you could find ways to use him in the three man role, the four man role, and the five man role. That depending on the kind of money he commands, he might not be a bad signing. I. If you, like Aaron said, if you, I had to choose between Seth Curry and Jeff Green, I'm going Seth Curry. But at the same time, what, you can just move Thon to your backup five, and Jeff Green's your backup four. Right. I and that's not the worst. Unless, Jeff Green, unless if Bruno Fernando is coming in, then it's a different ball. That's game. a different ball game completely. <laughs> Ryan's got a big smile on his face. Different right ball game completely at that point. But Jeff Green showed this year he can still score in this league at a decent clip. He put up what 13 points a game or so this mm-hmm. year. Um, so him coming off the bench, providing some scoring at that four position with Thon at the five, is I don't think that's the worst idea. It might not be the best defensive lineup. And it's going to be a poor rebounding lineup too, it I, won't I be would a, foresee. Thon, Thon struggles rebounding the ball. Jeff Green's not a great rebounder. Agreed. That get a little dicey and too. It would get a little dicey. Um, but how does Thon... Really, a lot of things depend on what Thon does this mm-hmm. offseason. Sure, you're not going to know those. You're not going to know that going into making these moves. Obviously, we're not going to know the full extent until he gets into camp and preseason and starts into the regular season. Um, but the development of Thon physically and mentally yeah, is big. crucial. It's crucial at this point because if if Thon does develop right and is starting to become more of a rebounding threat and a little bit stronger, then he signing Jeff right. And signing Jeff Green makes sense. When are we going to get that Thon Maker Edge 20 Pounds of Muscle article that, that everyone has every year? Everyone gains 20 pounds of muscle every year. When is Thon Maker going to get that? He can. There's so he's there's so much potential for him physically. I need I I hope he's been living in the weight room literally since the minute they lost to Milwaukee. Yeah, he it's he's got so much upside if he could put it together. So much upside. The other thing about that lineup, though it might be a poor rebounding lineup, is you know Thon has a little bit of an outside shot. Jeff Green, thirty-five percent from three. You know you'd have guys that could really stretch the floor and kill you in a variety of facets. To where now teams really got to come out and um, you know I mean depending who your backup three man is, or even you know if Seth Curry is attacking the rim a little bit, it opens up a lot of driving rain lanes and some pick and roll opportunities because you've got to defend everybody on the perimeter if you've got five threats. I can't believe in Don shooting anymore after the playoff series he had. That's that Don shooting ability is put on hold until he makes a three again next year. 
Well, okay, fine. But he's it's in him. Like we know it's in him. It's in him. He's got all he, he got locked up somehow in the playoffs. He's got to like unlock it or something for me to believe he's a shooter again. What Thon needed to do in the playoffs is what Bruce Brown did for about the last forty games of the year and just not look at the rim. <laughs> <laughs> that was tough. That's tough. <laughs> That's the other problem with Bruce Brown being in your back in your shooting guard conversation is that shooting guard's gotta be able to shoot the ball. And I mean if Bruce comes back next year. With that confidence still gone, with that shot still broken, he's not going to be a piston for long. I will say, if Bruce doesn't make any improvements shooting-wise or finishing at the rim, then his minutes do have to drop and his role has to diminish. But I look at what he provided this year. Mm-hmm. You know, he was—he had a you know meaningful role for a reason. He was a good for defender. Sure. He was a guy that you plugged in as the fifth guy in the offense, and he didn't need touches. He didn't need to shoot. He was just there, he helped move the ball, and he defended. Now, he would have been much better if when he got the ball, he could have been a reliable he's not shooter a threat. from beyond the arc. When if he's he not a threat, a you shoot. can just sag off right. and it makes If he him, can be yeah. a catch-and-shoot threat, then he becomes so much more valuable. Mm-hmm. If he can become a drive-and-finish threat or a drive-and-kick threat, he becomes much more valuable. As still a low-usage offensive player, but an effective one when called upon. Mm-hmm. If he doesn't make an improvement in at least one of those areas then there has to be a significant talk about the playing time. Because I look at a guy like Kyrie Thomas, anytime he gets in, it seems like he makes a positive impact. It seems like he's knocking down a three-pointer. It seems like he's getting to the rim. He's showing off his handles, doing something well. So if if minutes got to go to a young guard, they may have to go to Kyrie Thomas if Bruce comes back and it, it shows he didn't make any of the offensive improvements that were necessary to his game. Yeah, it's if, if he's if he's a non-threat, yeah, that makes a job so easy for a defense, and that's why driving lanes go away. That's why you're able to double down on Blake Griffin in the post or in the low or in the short corner. Rather, um, you're able to make those plays because, I mean, there's there's no reason to defend Bruce. Shoot the ball! I dare you. Shoot the ball. Won't do it. It's a problem. No, it's an absolute problem, and you could see it when. When Blake would be teamed up with Reggie Bullock or with Wayne Ellington or with Luke Kennard. He had a lot more space and freedom to do things. And anytime someone sat down on him, immediate kick out, three ball, and a good chance of it going in. When when it's with him and Bruce Brown, not even close to that. Bruce is even looking. In fact, he's looking to pass it back around the perimeter to Reggie Jackson. Um, and it just can't happen. So that's another thing in the summer league. We need to see Bruce Brown be aggressive, look for a shot, but also be smart about it. We need to see how he's developing since the loss to Milwaukee up to Summer League. What has he done to improve that shot, to improve his driving ability, to improve his mm-hmm. his decision-making? It's crucial. There's so many things riding on in guys who are already on the roster in terms of player development. There could be a lot of roster turnover, no doubt about it, but... With the young players that the Pistons have on the roster, how they grow and how they develop means just as much as what they could do in free agency. Bruce and Thon, Kyrie, you know, the, you know, Andre. What can he do? Luke. What's what I mean, step does Luke take now? I mean, there's there's a lot of internal improvement that needs to happen that could significantly outweigh whatever they do in free agency with the meager cap space that they have. So. Well, we're looking at the shooting guard position. You know, we've we've talked about a potential trade scenario involving this certain player for a while, but again, the Athletic has tied Bradley Beal 
to the Detroit Pistons um, in a trade proposal that would include Reggie Jackson, Langston Galloway, Luke Kennard, the Pistons' first-round pick, number 15 in this upcoming draft, and then a future second-round pick. So again, you're getting Bradley Beal, you're giving up Jackson, Kennard, Galloway, this year's pick, future second. And I look at that trade, and I say Bradley Beal, in his prime, playing at a very high level. I know you're giving up Luke, and and Luke's a guy that we've given very high praise, but sold. You make that trade. No doubt about it, you make that trade. Just want to reiterate that this is not a report. This is just a, a proposal, an idea. But yeah, you absolutely make this trade. You're getting a guy in his prime, near MVP level player after the season he had. A shooter, a scorer, a, a, a secondary ball handler, a, a passable to good defender. Uh, you know, an all-star caliber player. You have now three all-star level players on your team if you make this trade. The real assets you lose are Luke Kennard, the 15th pick. You lose a second round pick, which doesn't mean all too much. And then you get off of Reggie Jackson's expiring, which... Yes, he had a good second half of the season. Yes, that leaves a hole at point guard now that the Pistons have to try to figure out because now they don't, you know, they wouldn't have Jackson and Smith as an unrestricted free agent, so you have to worry about that. But you get a guy in Beal who just immediately takes this team to another level, mm-hmm. takes pressure off of Blake Griffin. You know th- that two man game between those two could be really exciting considering the two man game that he's had with other wings like Bullock. And Wayne Ellington in his time in Detroit. So you see the the promise in that. I mean, if you can get Bradley Beal for a trade package like this, I'm surprised that this is you know the, the package that's proposed. Maybe Beal has less value in the national media than we really think. I would have guessed another first would have been involved. Or maybe, you know, Kyrie Thomas or Bruce Brown would have been involved. Something else. But if this is what it takes, even if you do got to throw in a Bruce Brown or Kyrie Thomas, maybe even another first-round pick, I'm still all in on it. I'm still going to get Bradley Beal mm-hmm. if you can you can bring another superstar to this team. The reason why I think you have to be all in on it is because we know that the Pistons are all in. And they are trying to win now. And we know that the Blake window is it's not that big. You've got a few years with Blake. You can't waste him. Because if you waste him, then the whole thing is just a disaster. So you've really got to make the play to go all in. Because that's that's what you've done. You've put your chips in. You gotta you gotta maintain that now. If this trade came across, um, and I'm Detroit and I'm Stefanski and I'm Malik Rose, and there's an opportunity for this trade to go through, I don't let Washington hang up the phone until we've ensured that we have come to an agreement it's, on this trade. Until the call is sent to the league office. Until really, you are staying on the line with me the whole time. Until the league has processed this trade and it has been put through and it is set in stone. I love Luke Kennard. I think he's going to be a star scorer in this league. I think that's where his potential is. Um, but if you're just giving up this year's first round pick, which will probably be a role player. Yep. A future second round pick. And then the two expirings of Reggie Jackson and, uh, and, Langston. and, and Langston Galloway. So really the trade is just... Luke Kennard, this year's first and a future second. I love Luke to death, but my goodness. You cannot pass on Bradley Beal. That's that's an all-star level player for the next six to seven years of his career. You cannot pass on that. And like Aaron said, the two-man game between Bradley Beal and Blake Griffin, 
I'll say that one more time. The two-man game between Blake Griffin and Bradley Beal? Stop it. Gonna be fantastic. There's so many different threats. It's not just, oh, you know, Bradley Beal can only shoot when he would get the kick out. No, he can take the ball to the basket too. And Blake can, just the way they can move around and maneuver that, are you kidding me? Mm-hmm. This team immediately jumps to the next level. That's three all-star level players on this team at that point. There's no excuse at that point. Sure, they've got to figure out both point guard, starting and backup. I get that. And they would still need to find some sort of size on the wing. For sure, Absolutely. But my goodness. It, it, it does leave some holes, though. It leaves holes. And it get, it takes away an opportunity for the Pistons to get a cost-effective player with that 15th pick. Um, you know, a guy that you can bring in and have him for a few years on a cheap contract but also play a significant role on the team. You know, you, you, you lose your starting point guard in the deal. You lose your starting shooting guard, presumably, in the deal in Kennard. You lose a guy that played, you know, 20 minutes per game in Galloway. Well, then you lose again that that 15th pick that could end up being a guy that plays 20, 30 minutes a night for you. So you definitely lose some stuff in that trade. But again, just the star power of Bradley Beal outweighs that. And it's you get Beal and you figure out whatever the hell you got to do. figure it out. If you make this type of move, that I feel like that means, hey, Kyrie Thomas, we're setting you up to be backup point guard here. I feel like this type of move is like, hey, get ready to go. Mm-hmm. You're going to be and playing that's when back. You, and that's up. when the guy like Seth Curry then can be valuable, and you can use him and Kyrie both in those backup combo guard spots. Or with this type of move, you could still bring in Rudy Gay. And yeah. The other part of this trade is it also gives the Pistons another about $2.5 million cap space to work with. Yeah. So that will benefit them in free agency, puts them around like $15, $15.5 million if they could complete this trade somehow. Probably not going to happen. It won't. But it won't, yeah, it won't let's, happen. Let's let's... But in, in, in your dream world where it does happen, you know, you get another superstar. You have $15.5 million to work with in free agency. But you look at the holes on the team now, and it's both your point guard spots, your small forward spot, and you still need a backup center. So it, you got a lot to do with a little bit of money. The Pistons are probably looking at being a tax team then, in which I would assume they would be. if they're. I'd go, go into the tax for Bradley Beal. You know, I think Tom Gorris is going to get I mean. Sorry, I don't mean to cut you off, yeah. but... Knowing, Tom Gorris is willing to go on the tax, mm-hmm. and for Bradley Beal, you go into the tax. And, and knowing the kind of money that them would be coming off the books after next year with Lewis Deal, Josh Smith, you know, you're going to have them more flexibility going forward. You'll get all, you'll get out of the tax. It's probably a one, you know, one year thing in the tax, unless if all of a sudden you realize, hey, we are just one piece away from really being legit, and then it's worth it being in the tax. Well, and and this is where Detroit might also have to. Say well, if we're gonna go and get this this all star power, this star power, then we just gotta make it work with a couple of our younger guys. Kyrie Thomas is gonna have to play minutes. Bruce Brown's gonna have to play significant minutes still. Savima Hiluk's gonna have to play you know some significant minutes at the small forward spot. They're just gonna have to make it work with those guys if they're only able to do so much because presumably you gotta go out and get a starting point guard. I think a starting point guard is more valuable than a starting small forward at that point. Mm-hmm. If the Pistons don't have if one, if you have Bradley Beal, yes. And I think you could also make it work where you could probably get Wayne Ellington back on a cheap enough deal to just start him, you know, alongside Beal. Um, you go and spend your 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 money on a point guard. Patrick Beverly would be a perfect. If fit. they brought in Bradley Beal and Patrick Beverly in this off season, be I'm nuts. pretty sure. Pistons Twitter and Pistons fans all around the state of Michigan would lose their minds. It'd be nuts. I'm pretty sure we'd have to retire Stefanski's name up into the rafters. I mean, you're looking at 
you know, you, you just have to find a way to make it work with with the little bit of money you have and with the holes that you have to fill. But I mean, you spend the bulk of your money on Patrick Beverly in, in that kind of a situation, you're probably looking at a nine, ten million dollar deal, mm-hmm. and then maybe you get Wayne Ellington back for four or five million a year, um, and then you got to go into the tax to sign up a backup center. And at the end of the day, is that's probably worth it. You know, you use your second round pick to get a cheap wing, or you use your second round pick to get a, a cheap center. And then the other the other spot, you know, you just kind of fill with a, a um, probably like a vet minimum. Vet minimum, yeah, vet, a vet minimum. minimum. Exactly yeah. what I was thinking. I mean, it's not it's not the worst idea if if this perfect utopian idea of our offseason came together, there would be no reason LCA wouldn't be sold out every night. And also, all of you listening would owe us like drinks. Okay, if this happens. Uh, we'll let you know where we're at. Please, you know, we'll we will accept your free shots. But something I need to say is, for the expectation of this offseason, we need to set the expectation that probably nothing real major is going to happen. I don't think, with all the money coming off next, next year, year, yeah, that's what I've been saying. I that think, I just think with all the trust me, I want to believe that. Stefanski and Malik Rose and all those guys in the front office are on the phone trucking to make this Bradley Be- type of Bradley Beal move work. And they're thinking, hey, if we do that, then all of a sudden we've got this money to go get Patrick Bell. I want to believe all these major type moves are happening. And I'm sure they're in thought process and the Pistons are breaking down strategies and plans and different ways to go about making these types of moves. But at the same time, so much money is coming off the books next offseason – that you, you just got to prepare yourself for maybe hey nothing major happens this off season. I think I think there's still a chance though that Reggie Jackson gets dealt this off season. With all the point guard names that have come up, you got to think that the Pistons are very willing to bring in a new point guard. And, and and we know that. I mean, we saw that Dwayne Casey didn't give Reggie Jackson the leash that Stan Van Gundy did. You know, with the way that it, you know how much Ish Smith played and how Reggie Jackson's role in the offense diminished. So we know that the Pistons are not locked in on Reggie Jackson. They'd be very willing to make a move to to bring in a different point guard. I still think there's a pretty good possibility that that happens. But yeah, a, a utopian trade, like Ryan said, like this, just don't get your hopes up. I mean, what, if it happens, celebrate, whatever. Don't bank on it. Don't think about it. Hey, just let it go. If we trade Reggie, we could just sign uh, Kyrie Irving this offseason. Hey, didn't you hear what I said at the beginning of the podcast? <laughs> hey, hey, you know what? After <laughs> oh, that no, po- hey, Blake's the leader. Kyrie could just be the player. Kyrie took more shots than he scored points. In yeah, the I know. Season. What was it, 101 points for 102 shots or something like that? Yeah. <laughs> Against the Bucks, he made. He took more shots than he made points. So, I don't know. I don't know about Kyrie right now. That was just a like all-time terrible showing. After a team had so much potential, had such expectation, mm-hmm. even I picked them to win. I was wrong. If you make me wrong, I'm gonna have to burn you. And I mean, sorry, Kyrie, but burned. Hey, Aaron, I got something for you. So let's let's step off the ledge of the Bradley Beal trade for a second. The Pistons still have that first round pick now. What is your perfect scenario for that 15th overall pick? If, if they use it on a player, if they draft, yeah, yeah, or if, if they, they I'd, let's step off the trade ledge. Okay, let's say they go forward making the pick. Where where do you want to go with this pick? 
I think this is such a big topic that I want to save it for another po- podcast. But there's a very large part part of me that would be fine with just taking Cam Johnson all the way up at 15 because he will slide or he will be taken probably at the end of the first round. But because of his age, that's why he's at the back end of the first, early second kind of guy. Dude, Eric, he just, can I interrupt you for a minute? What? This is something I said they're like weeks hands, ago. Huh? Oh my Guys, god, they're shaking hands. We're like on the same page. This is this is insane. Last week, you know, like you and Ryan were over there like hugging each other. This week, like you and I are on the same page, it, dude. It, hey, it's it's nice. I mean, I don't. I was the positive one last week. Now Aaron and I are on the same page. What in the world is going on? The Pistons are changing lives, man. <sighs> this, this is, is utopian change on the podcast. What in the world? Look, I would be I would be fine if the Pistons just said we need a big wing that can shoot and, and has length and takes Cam Johnson. I'd be perfectly fine with that at fifteen, even if it is a reach because he fills the necessary hole. Uh, best case scenario, a guy like DeAndre Hunter falls to fifteen. Probably not going to happen. Um, but either of those guys, I, I think I'd be best with. But we're, we'll be doing some some more in-depth draft talk of course, in the of month course. of June. But we're so, talking about you know off-season moves right now. There's plenty of time. There's our so opinions much time. are going to change like opinions another 10 are, times. Literally, our opinions are going to change by next week when we see more news come yep. out about things. So, since yeah, since we were just talking about different roster moves in the off-season, hey, what happens if we end up having to take the pick? And I wanted to hear your thoughts on that. I don't mind... I don't mind the idea of Cam Johnson. I'm uh, just like I just he's a shooter. He just fits the hole. He's long. He's got length. With, he's six eight, six nine. Yep. Mm-hmm. He can, he's an athletic. He's not. It's not like he's you know, you know, stone foot can't move. He he's an athletic guy. He can shoot. He has the length. I'm not mad at it if they go for the reach there. It's something that they have to address a hole. They have to address a need. CC Pistons Twitter still have not been able to find Cam Johnson's wingspan. Like I just don't know where it is. I was talking about it with a couple people on Twitter. We just cannot find his wingspan. It's not anywhere. You like you're nowadays. You can find anyone's wingspan that's a you know a basketball player in college in the NBA. Just cannot find Cam Johnson's for some reason. And a few people, myself included, are kind of flustered by it. You know, um, maybe something that will make everybody feel good. I don't know, Aaron at least. What about, yeah, we talk about all these guys the Pistons could bring in. Ah, maybe it's Seth Curry, maybe it's Jeff Green, maybe it's a trade for Bradley Beal. There's a lot of former Pistons out there that maybe we could re-sign too. And actually, this is kind of getting, gathering, you know, some heat on Pistons Twitter. There's been some publications that have gone out and our publication wrote about it. Yes. Did you have to cut me off? Yeah, I did, because you were like, publications wrote about it. Our publication wrote about it, Brendan. I was getting there. Get to it then. We can't always. Well, agree that couldn't last. That yeah, wasn't going to last, last, and I think we all so. knew that wasn't going to last. So let's just get to it. So Aaron wants Reggie Bullock back. Go ahead. Aaron. No, that wasn't. Did you read the article? Did you even read the article? Reggie Bullock wasn't even a name included. So I guess you didn't read the article. That's pretty. You know, disappointing. Oh, they say Reggie Bullock and then Stanley Johnson. He Not, oh, he wasn't in it either. Wow, wasn't in it either. Actually, the three names mentioned were Marcus Morris, Morris, Anthony Tolliver, and Greg Monroe. That was written by New Pals of Pistons writer Jacob Rogers. Nice piece from him. But I know Ryan and I were talking pre-production, and Ryan wasn't all in on anyone outside of Marcus Morris. I said I would be fine with Anthony Tolliver coming back. But it, it, it led us some discourse. We said, we'll, we'll save it, the rest of it for the podcast. Ryan, talk to me about why Anthony Tolliver, not a fit back oh in Detroit. Oh, my God. Bring it on the depends. heat. depends. Layer down, people. It de- it's going to get hot. 
All right, thank you, Brendan. <laughs> it depends on what type of moves they make before bringing in a guy like Anthony Tolliver. So the discussion we were having is, do you want to bring in Jeff Green or Anthony Tolliver? Kind of if you move Thon to the backup five and you want to bring in a backup four. Well, what are they doing to provide scoring for the bench if Luke Kennard moves into the starting role? Where Where's your scoring coming from? Because you're right. Anthony Tolliver is a better shooter and a better three-ball shooter. And that's something they definitely need coming off the bench. But depending on the moves they've made, Luke slides into the starting spot. Where is their scoring coming from? Jeff Green has proven he can still score in this league. He put up 13.2, I believe it was, this year. Sure, he's only shooting 34, 35% from three, so it's not as good as Tolliver, but he's still a threat to shoot, and he can still score. Coming off 13 points coming off the bench would be huge. Anthony Tolliver is just a try-hard and a three-point shooter. That's which is it. great. Which, which is, is great. awesome. Which is great for a championship-level team. Mm-hmm. If they brought him in, let's say uh, Philly brought him in, or um, I don't know, Milwaukee's going to make a big run. I think Milwaukee's going right to the finals. So, But let's say Milwaukee lost in the finals lost this year. Lost in the to, uh, Milwaukee lost this year to you know Golden State or Houston or whatever may have you. If they were to bring in an Anthony Tolliver to play some sparing minutes to be a leader, a voice in the locker room, and a guy who can shoot the three ball again, I think that's like a gr- that's a great move. But that's not so- that's not where the Pistons are at. Especially depending on what they do, they would need to find scoring off the bench. I'm not sold on bringing Anthony Tolliver back to Detroit just to be a tryhard and shoot a couple threes. They need a scorer. They need a real player. They're- that money can be better spent elsewhere. I just I'm not on board with bringing Anthony Tolliver in. Depending, of course, on what moves pro- precede it. Aaron, your thoughts on that? Because I know, just uh, I know, I know. I'm but. doing my research. I'm doing my research. And look, a lot. Uh, uh, you made a very good point about Anthony. You know, the, the prospect. Don't stick of bringing- your hand across the table and patronize me. <laughs> you made a really good point. But let me tell you how dumb it is. No, that's not what I'm saying. You made a good point in saying that the the, the prospect of signing Anthony Tolliver would have to happen after what happens with the initial signings in the free agency. The point guard spot, the starting small forwards got spot. Do the Pistons get enough scoring and shooting that they can go and get a kind of straightforward guy in Anthony Tolliver where he's just a shooter, you know, he, he hustles. He finished at the rim a little bit in Detroit, you know, Took the ball, put the ball on the floor a little bit. Doesn't really do that much anymore. You know, he, he's getting a little bit older, but still a, a great veteran. You know, a great leader. Uh, works hard and shoots the three ball. He's a valuable player for the Pistons, and we know the effect that he had in Detroit. Um, I I would be very open to bringing him back if the Pistons can get us. You know, get some different scoring options. You know, maybe Luke Kennard doesn't even start. You know, that's another thing we have to look at. The Pistons. Know that Kennard, Jackson, and Griffin, you know, as a trio, didn't necessarily work all that well last season, but I don't think we saw it enough. I, I, I think you need it to work, so you have to kind of make it work because of Kennard's value to this team and, you know, what he is as a player. You have to find a way to make that work and give it more time to develop. So I would hope that Kennard's in the starting lineup. So where does that leave the Pistons off the bench? 
You know, who's the backup point guard? Is it Kyrie Thomas? Do they keep bring back Ish Smith? Do they get a different guy like Derrick Rose? You know, those are, you know, Derrick Rose is a guy as a scoring point guard. That's a guy where Anthony Tolliver would kind of fit in with. You know, maybe they bring back Wayne Ellington. There's just so many different options. Anthony Tolliver is, you know, after after the Pistons make all their other moves in free agency. Because Anthony Tolliver is still going to be available, I would assume. So it's after the Pistons kind of formulate the rest of their roster. Tolliver's kind of that last signing to finalize the team. I'm op- I'm open to it. I think there's... I think that there will be a way where Tolliver fits on this team for the same way same way where Thon could end up just playing the five. Anthony Tolliver could come in and be the four and Thon could be the five if you wanted to do it that way. So I think there's different ways to make it work. I'm pretty open to it. I'm open to Marcus Morris, of course. And I guess if Greg Monroe wants to come back on the minimum, fine. I just don't really think it that fits. would be the best move for Detroit. I think they should go with a younger player, maybe a, a, a rim protector. Monroe's more of an offensive-minded, you know, low-post scorer. They should be going for probably a defensive-minded rim protector like a Rashawn Holmes. That's a name that I like at the back of five spot that shouldn't be too expensive. But, you know, I'm open to Anthony Tolliver. Anthony Tolliver's a fan favorite in Detroit. He's done a lot of great things in his, you know, his seasons with Detroit. And in, in all honesty, I hope Pistons Twitter comes at you for your bad take. It's not a bad take. <laughs> it's not a bad take at all. Sure, he's a good leader, and he can shoot some threes. You're willing, why are you spending money on that because when this team has so many more holes? Because there'll be a cheap contract that can produce. He actually produces. You and know, the it, it all depends on the moves that are made before it, though. If if yes. Luke Kennard were to stay on the bench, then I'm fine with Anthony Tolliver coming in. That's no problem. Or if Derrick Rose were to sign in Detroit, okay, Anthony Tolliver's your backup for now. I could live with that, depending on the moves that are made. But if Luke Kennard moves into the starting lineup... And there is a lack of scoring on the bench at that point. I can't go Anthony Tolliver. I'd have to go Jeff Green. A guy who can get some buckets. Anthony Tolliver is not a scorer. He just shoots a little bit. And he's a good leader. And he's a fan favorite. And I like what he brought to the team a couple years ago. And he's a leader. And I get all that. It was awesome. And it's great. But the piss, there's just different. I can't. I can't get on board with being like, "Hey, let's go get him right now at the beginning of free agency or anything like I that." I wasn't saying I that. That's not what you said. I, I get that's not what you said, but that would have to be a very back end of free yes. agency. Um, all right, we've made certain moves, and it would make sense for him to be here. Then I can. But if the if that, we'll see how that plays out in free agency. If the moves they're making before then don't make sense for that, and then the move happens. I would be pissed off. We, we've talked about so many players coming to the Pistons. We've talked about all this roster overall. Watch none of these guys even end up in a Piston uniform. I, did I not just say temper our expectations a touch to where nothing real serious is going to happen this offseason? I mean, we, we've talked about six or seven guys you know, being a lot. brought to the Pistons. And of course, there's only going to be one, two, or three of them at yeah. most. And, and it could be not even any of these and guys. Not any of these guys being names. mentioned. You know, uh, I'll, I'll let you two just kind of battle out the Tolliver. I have some thoughts, but I, I mean, in the end, I'll, I'll just put it this way: I really agree with the does depend on where you know who signed, and, and Tolliver would have to be a end of free agency type of signing. But I love Anthony Tolliver. Oh my God, I love that guy. I would be very happy if it worked out that the Pistons could bring him back. Pistons, the Pistons would lead the league in charges taken, by the way. Blake Griffin and Anthony Tolliver on the same team. Everyone loves Anthony. I love Anthony Tolliver. Awesome guy. 
And I get all of that. Here's but that can't be. The other thing is though. The other thing is though. And this is when we talked about you know who would stay and who would go from the Pistons' current roster or whatever. And I talked about the value of having a veteran leader and that how that was Zaza this year. And that's really the only way that on a vet minimum type deal he would have a, a place in Detroit. Anthony Tolliver can you know depending that that contract can fit that same role but be of value. He can be that leader. He can be. He brings that just that Detroit work ethic. He brings that that hustle. He takes charges. He's already a fan favorite. Anthony Tolliver might be a guy too that draws a handful more people to the stadium or to the arena each night. Guarantee it. Really? Just, I, I don't think. I don't think it's that handful. much. Anthony Tolliver is a draw. Anthony Tolliver is a draw. I don't think it's that much. Yes, he is. That yes, is a take by is. Brendan Johnson. Okay, you know what? I, I said I hope Pistons Listen, Ryan, I'm telling you, honestly, just get mad at Brendan. You know, you I get mad said at both a handful but, more people. Oh, come on. I didn't tell you that you'd get ten thousand people there to watch Anthony Tolliver. Hold on, I've got beef now with you, Aaron. What's there to get mad at me about? I was messing around about your Anthony Tolliver take. Now I'm more upset about Brennan's take that Anthony Tolliver is going to bring in more people to the arena. Handful more people will go just watch games. Put him yes. on the programs, oh, Aaron. Print the programs, Aaron. Oh my Aaron. god! I'm telling, I'm telling you, don't get, don't get mad at me. Final name for introductions: Anthony Tolliver. Get the hell out of here! I didn't say Anthony Tolliver would come in and start. I didn't tell you Anthony Tolliver would sell out arenas. I'm telling you though that people would, gra- you know, a handful of people would gravitate to that arena to watch Anthony Tolliver. Oh I said goodness. handful. Go back and maybe replay a, the audio. Yeah, maybe a handful, like over the course of the year, and it's <laughs> yeah. Anthony Tolliver's family. But yeah, okay. <laughs> Jesus Christ, you're an ass. <laughs> but Aaron, it depends. It does. What, uh, what moves have been made, and then that will determine if I'm on board or not with it. That's all I'm saying about it. I love Anthony Tolliver. This isn't a hate Anthony Tolliver speech. Awesome dude. Awesome leader for the Pistons back in his time here. Right, he's got to recover now. He's got to recover his face. No, because everyone co- but Aaron's right. Everyone comes at you for everything now. But it's not it's not a priority. Especially if the bench is depleted with scoring, that cannot be the move. But if things work out right and the moves are right, then yes, bring him back, obviously. I'm fine with that. In terms of Greg Monroe, scratch that from the list now. I would never re-sign Greg Monroe. Marcus Morris, that's the only guy I'm really in on. Yeah. And even then, I don't know. Yeah, Monroe is for sure eh. But Greg Monroe still playing right now, though. Some he is good still NBA playing playoffs right now. going on. Um, couple series that are going seven games. Portland getting a big win to force game seven. Philly getting a big win to force a game seven. Uh, Houston trying to do the same thing and force a game seven. Uh, as Golden State leads that series three games to two, but now without KD for a little bit, we don't know. I mean, it's at least the Houston series to be determined from there with it was a calf strain that KD has. So I'll tell you, though, good basketball going on in these NBA playoffs right now. Real good basketball. No, great basketball. I'm enjoying myself thoroughly watching these games. Sure, they're not as close as I'd like them to be for the most part, uh, I, I want, like, nail biters, and these games are turning out to be 12, 10, 12, 15-point games, some of them. Mm-hmm. But what Houston and Golden State are doing, fine. And I'm devastated that Kevin Durant's hurt because hate him all you want. The dude is one of the best, if not the best player in the league. Offensively, 
and he's just tearing it up. Yeah. And he was hitting another level. He was going to the next stratosphere, trying to cement himself as the greatest offensive threat of all time in the league. And to get hurt was depressing and sad and upsetting to see. Um, really hurt. But hey, Steph Curry decided to turn on Superman mode once Kevin Durant went out. That was pretty awesome. To watch. Oh my god, it was vintage Steph right there. Steph struggling all game. Kevin Durant goes out. Okay, I'll just start knocking down everything now. Yeah, I'll, I'll take over. It's fine. Best player in the world, Steph. Steph. Even though he can't perform in the playoffs, Steph. Best player in the world. Even though he can't perform in the playoffs. He performs in the playoffs. He's had a few bad games, and you know what? Golden State can afford that because they're the best team in the world. Because they have Kevin Durant, because, who is because, the best. Well, they have Kevin Durant, they have Klay Thompson, they have Draymond Green, they have Sean Livingston. They just have so many other good players that Steph can have Andrew a below-average game. <laughs> I mean, just imagine. Just imagine if the Warriors had Anthony Tolliver. I mean, first off... Oh the, my the god! The crowd they would draw if they had Anthony Tolliver. <laughs> you know the team that they would have if they had Anthony Tolliver. It'd be unreal. Wow. I'm just I'm done. Kevin, I'm fine. I I'm, I'm fine with yeah. shots fired at Brendan like this. I'm here for it. I'm uh. I'm always here for Aaron and Brendan. I'm, uh, I'm going to lunch by myself it. today. That's all I know. I'm always I'm always here for Aaron and Brendan. Aaron, what's your favorite restaurant? Because that's where I'm going by myself. Fine, be that way. Ryan and I will go grab some grub together. We'll oh, yeah, grub. okay, sure. Yeah. I'm just going to leave the silence. Aaron's over here tweeting and crap while we're doing the podcast. Hey, hey. This is ridiculous. We got some Pistons draft workouts today. You know what? That's what I'm Who's in town? Now. All right, so we got uh, Jordan Caroline from Nevada, Javine DeLauer from Duke. I don't know if I said that right. Javin Delorier. Okay, thank you. Whatever. Yeah. Whatever. Just completely botched it. Javin Delore. <laughs> <laughs> hey, John Lure, Delore, same thing. Uh, Peyton Pritchard from Oregon. My My Oni from Yale. BJ Taylor from UCF. And then Armani Brooks from Houston. So it sounds like a lot of uh, second round guys in. Yeah, in second round today. G League, Summer League kind of guys. Nice. Yep. I mean, there's a couple prospects that could get drafted. I mean, I think Oni is probably the biggest name. Pritchard's a guy that could fall into the second round. Caroline, maybe Brooks, but I think most of those guys are back end of the draft or you know or G League guys. No, absolutely, especially if someone watches a lot of Duke basketball. Uh, Javin Delorie, I don't expect him to get drafted. That's a that's a G League player. So yeah. interesting to see what they brought in though. Any other thoughts though on these NBA playoffs? I mean, Portland making a great. real good series oh, dude, out of Portland it. Denver series, fantastic. I mean. Uh, look at this series Ronnie Hood has had scoring the ball. I mean, he was huge in that. In that, he's been huge all series. I mean, you can point to any single game in the series and you say he was huge in that game. But he's been great. Uh, CJ has been great. Even Dame has kind of struggled a little bit, but he's had his moments. And then Nikola Jokic has been outstanding. Outstanding. Jamal Murray is fantastic. That's a great team out in Denver too. I mean, it's, it's an awesome series. No. No doubt about it, an absolute awesome series. He sounds like a coach in a press conference. You know, this is a great team out in Denver. You know, they're, <laughs> they're just well coached and they just do it the right way. And, uh, you know, they're just really talented. They're really, really good. They're really good. All right, all right. I no, thought I was but, in a coach's press conference right there. No, but I think, but honestly, though, <laughs> I think it sums it up. The playoffs have been a fantastic watch for the most part. Uh, seeing everyone take their game to the next level, you're seeing superstars rise. I mean, I'm not mad at it. I'm enjoying it. Hopefully we can see the Pistons there one day. Hopefully. Well, we did see them in the playoffs this year. We just got to see them now win a game. That would be nice. That's the next step. 
that would be very, very nice. But overall, a, a decent pod today. I mean, I thought Aaron was a little bit of a jerk. But other than that, you know, what's new, right? You know what, Brennan? Be better. No. Be better. I think that's the theme of today's pod is just be better. Your lesson of the day. Boston in five. All Quote right. Aaron Johnson. All right. I'm not going to say it didn't hurt my feelings a little bit. <laughs> but it's fine. You know, like I said at the beginning of the podcast, sometimes you're wrong, sometimes you're right. I'm okay with being wrong every once in a while. Sometimes I have to look mortal to the rest of the people. On that note, I think we're going to wrap things up for this. I think that's best. So the Pistons, we've talked about some free agency signings. Let us know your thoughts. You know, shout us a tweet at Palace of Pistons on Twitter, at A Johnson NBA, at Ryan Pay. Let them know who's right in the Tolliver debate. Okay? And also, all of you that might buy season tickets once Anthony Tolliver signs to Detroit, hit me up, okay? Now drinks are on me. All of you that say you're in on those Pistons tickets, if they sign Anthony Tolliver, you are my people. So we appreciate you tuning in today. Um, Don't forget, like, rate, review, subscribe to the podcast, or on Facebook as well. Um, So check us out on Facebook, Instagram at Palace Pistons. So you know the deal. We go through this every week, but we're going to keep on growing. We're setting record numbers right now here on the podcast and on our website. We're doing real good stuff. We're going to keep doing real good stuff, and it's all because of you. So we'll see you next time here on the Palace Pistons podcast. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.